You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to the Aftermath Podcast. I am your host, Christopher Tenpenny, joined by my co-host, CJ Jones. CJ, man, tough game. Tough game to lose, but it... it I don't want to say it lived up to the hype because nothing can match up, but it was still a fun competitive game. What were your thoughts on the Chiefs' 24-20 to 20 loss to the Buffalo Bills? Absolutely, I agree. Nothing's really going to top, obviously, the, the divisional matchup, 13 seconds. And I think most of the fans pretty much knew that going into it. But overall, right. great competition, great game between the two teams. Both quarterbacks showed they're the two best in the league, and they and they, they proved it yesterday. Um, wish the outcome would have came in our favor, but a lot of opportunities that we that we could have had that we put ourselves in, in position to make, so. Uh, definitely a little unfortunate at times, but definitely encouraging going forward for sure. Yeah, my biggest takeaway from that game was if the Chiefs play like that in January against the Bills, regardless of location, they will lose by three touchdowns. But on the flip side, if the Bills play like that, regardless of location exactly. in January, exactly. they'll probably lose by three touchdowns. Like neither team really played play. very well. There was a lot of missed plays, a lot of things left on the field for both teams. I know the Bills were able to put it together a little better than the Chiefs late, but watching that game, it just felt like both, both outfits. Yeah, yeah. Both both offenses were a little out of sorts. Mm-hmm. Both defenses were make, able to make some plays at times. And like, and actually that's where the thing with the Bills, I feel like the Chiefs outside of a few blitzes really weren't like the Bills could do whatever they want on offense and they still only put up 24 points. So like both teams, I don't, I think are leaving that game a little frustrated with their offensive production. No, absolutely. I think Frazier for the Bills and Spags both came out of that game very encouraged with what their defensive did. Cause you had a lot, a lot of young guys playing on both sides of the ball for our secondary and for theirs. So they were missing some guys. We were missing some guys, but obviously they still have, one of the biggest X factors in the league being Von Miller. So he, he made some plays. Yeah. He made his presence felt. But overall, I mean, I can't ask for too much of, of Jalen Watson and, and um, Josh Williams to go out there and play against arguably maybe the best duo of receiver in the league right now as far as Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. So those guys show why they're one of the best in the league right there. But overall, yeah, I, th- I think the defense played a hell of a game. Like you said, before that last touchdown going into that last drive, 17 points. If right. I would have told you before the game, Chris, you're going to hold Buffalo to 17 points until the last six minutes of the game, you would have took that. Like exactly. every, day of, every day of the week. So, yeah, no, credit to Spags and to Coach Merritt, the DB's coach, and he had the guys ready to play. Yeah, 24 points. What it ended up with, I would have taken. Exactly. You know, exactly. I, you keep them under 30, and I would have said, sign me up. Like, yeah, every day of the week. And so, and again, though, I, I want, you know, Spags gets some credit. You know, the defense did do some things, brought in some pressures. But again, I feel like more about it was the Bills missing some plays more so than it was the Chiefs forcing them to stop. The reason I say that is the Chiefs still cannot get pressure with four down, and it's it's the most it's the reason that Josh Williams and the two and Watson were on islands is because you have to bring extra help. Well, when you bring extra help, guess what happens? Those cornerbacks, those young corners against those experienced receivers, end up on one on one. You do the do or die plays and most of the time when you have digs on a rookie <laughs> you're gonna die like that's just what's gonna happen so for me that was maybe the most frustrating thing was still the lack of pressure that the front four is able to create on its own 
No, absolutely. And we were saying this during camp. We need more bodies up front. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it's, just, it's a long – it feels like we've played so much football. We're only in week six. We still got 10, 11 more weeks of this. So, um, right. yeah, we all know we needed more pressure. We need more guys up front. Mike Dana, Chris Jones, George Kalafis, Carlos Dunlap, they made plays at times. And the one that really gets me, it was the one right before a half when we had a pin inside the 10. And Mike Dana was like yeah. close to getting Josh Allen to uh, almost either run out of bounds or almost get a sack. But he stepped up in the pocket and made a great throw to Gabe Davis. But that was a, that was the third down. That was the moment we, the D-line could have had that moment. I would have loved to maybe have a blitz there to make him get the ball out of his hands quicker. That would have been the moment I would have wanted Spags to be aggressive rather than what you just said, do it inside the green zone when you leave Josh Allen or Jalen Watson on the island and Gabe Davis goes over the top for a touchdown. So um, little moments here or there we could have got better, but definitely would like to see them add another body up front because they definitely can need the help for sure. Right, and it, it you like you said, all these guys flash, but none of them enough. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Well, was, I'm starting to get again. It's only six weeks, so when I say starting to get worried about Karloftis, it's not an actual worry, but it's just a he doesn't have that bend to him. And I, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you will yeah. when you watch every defensive line, when you watch Dwight Franey, when you watch Von Miller, when you watch you know greats, current greats, whatever. They were able to like do that bend where they arc under the the tackles. You know, pass block, you know, and he doesn't have that kind of flexibility. I mean, he has a motor. He's going to go until the whistle blows, and that's great. But him, his inability to do that early on, I know it's such a nitpicky thing, but it is something that's starting to concern me a little bit is if he's is he ever going to be more than just a quality depth guy? No, absolutely. We said coming into the season, that was probably going to be a group we were concerned about, and they kind of. Hushed it up a little bit by adding guys like Carlos Dunlap. And, and like, mm-hmm. honestly, the way the season's going, it's pretty much going like we said. We said Carl, uh, George Karloftis may struggle at times, but he'll play hard with the motor, like you said. Mm-hmm. Rick Jones is going to show why he's elite. He's done that so far this year. Right. Frank Clark is probably going to be in and out the lineup. That's pretty much happening. Carlos Dunlap is a situational pass rusher at times, which he would have had more of an impact yesterday, but that's what he is. Mike Dana, Tershawn Warden were going to be our unsung heroes at times. Unfortunately, Tershawn's out for the year with the, with the ACL. So it was good to have Mike Dana back, good to see him healthy, and he rushed pretty well yesterday. Now we just need another guy. This is the moment of the season right before the trade deadline. I was saying during training camp, I want to go get guys like Dominic Sue is still available. Robert yeah. Quinn, guys that can maybe go get on the trade block as well. So those are some names I think that could help this D-line push them over the hump so me and Chris don't have to have these conversations every week. (laughs) Yeah, because that's clearly the place that's missing. And you can talk about the corners all you want because – but they're young and they're injured. So, like, I I don't – That's my thing. Yeah, yeah. The the young and injured part, like, you know, it doesn't – it's going to get better. You know, McDuffie maybe could have played this week. If it was week 12, you know, say it was a similar timeline and it was week 12 and we had a little bit clearer picture on the – playoffs uh-huh. i think mcduffie would have played i, I think, think he does. He i think he does too i said the same thing but because it's week six you know yeah, it was very I, clear to me that the media and the fans cared about this game more than the chiefs did yeah you know the chiefs obviously wanted to win i'm not saying they didn't but like this they they treated like hey this is week six we have you know 10 11 more games after this even though it's a big game against Buffalo, you know, let's be smart and make sure we're set up. Exactly. For the few- so, like, that's a big reason McDuffie was out. He'll be back next week. Then they get the bye. And so, you know, Fenton should be back. You know, you're going to get start to get these bodies. Willie Gay is going to come back from his suspension this week. Exactly. Although Brian Cook will be back. Yep. Right, right. So, like, this, the secondary is going to get some health now. Again, like I said, there's a long season, so some other injuries may pop up. But right now, I think keeping guys – Getting guys back was a bigger concern for the Chiefs than let's beat the Bills, you know? Exactly, absolutely. And even with all that, 
still opportunities to win the game, Chris. That's the crazy part. All these opportunities and all these chances of guys not playing and dealing with injuries, there were still so many easy decisions we could have made mm-hmm. to win the game. And I'm sure me and you will get into it very soon. Right. And the last thing on the defense before before we get into the offense, because that was the biggest part of this game, in my opinion, was the offensive inconsistency. But real quick, early on, did you start to feel like this was – like? For me, this was the first game I really felt like the Chiefs missed Willie Gay. And that's not to say that Harris played bad. He still had his moments. I think he recovered the fumble in the first drive. Like, yep, that was true. He, wasn't, he wasn't necessarily an issue, but Willie Gay's sideline to sideline speed and ability to bring pressure when they dialed the blitz were two things that I really thought the Chiefs missed in this game. No, absolutely. The day that the suspension came out, I looked at the number. I'm like, he would miss the game that I yes. wanted him to have the biggest impact being against a super athletic, freaking nature athlete like right. Josh Allen. This was right. the league I really wanted Willie Gay to play. And I was hoping that when the suspension came out, I was praying maybe they could appeal it, knock it down to two, which means he could have came back Oakland Raider week or Vegas Raider week, and he could have played via the Buffalo game. But unfortunately, he's not. He'll be back this week versus San Francisco 49ers. But outside of that, no. I mean, yes, I, I could agree that Willie Gay was definitely missed because Darius Harris is very fast for his size. He's got to play as well, but Willie Gay is just one of those special guys in the league. And I think the defense will probably tell you they missed him as well. So it's going to be good to have him back. He just has a special element as far as, you know, spying quarterbacks, getting the guys quicker and faster than a lot of the other guys can do, um, making tackles and just being that extra defender that can cover slot def- slot receivers like a tight end or a running back because he's just that athletic to where you don't have to add a DB in that situation. So right. agree. Willie Gay was definitely missed and it's going to be good to see him back this week. Right, and I don't know if Willie Gay's presence was enough to change the outcome of this game. It was just something I kind of noticed while watching the game. But going to the offense, let's start at the end, man. I, like all of us Chiefs fans, I thought the Chiefs had it won. When the Buffalo scored and there was still over a minute, two timeouts, I was like, (laughs) well, all right, we won the game. And that was over so fast. It was over so fast because on on the second play, Technically, the first, because there was a holding on the first play on the defense. On the second play from scrimmage on the drive, Mahomes rushes a decision and throws a pick. Now, we could talk about all the things he does well. How did he let that happen, bro, on the second? I I just watched the clip, and I I sent it to you on our phones, too, before we hopped on. Um, Basically, what they did, they rushed three, dropped eight with a spy. Milano was a spy. They essentially... They did a they did a zone man combination cover. It looked like they played some form form of cover quarters, and they mm-hmm. told the left um, the left slot corner who was covering our running back to basically drag across with the receiver and play man. Follow him to give Pat the illusion of it's man when you got that hook curl defender sitting on the right, and Pat tried to throw it to that that receiver crossing, and then the quarters defender that was sitting in that hook curl zone just picked it off. He basically did what you wanted them to do. We're going to rush you to this side, force you to the right. We're going to have the defender trailing him to the left as well going to the right, and basically we're going to have a trap zone right there waiting for you. So um, Pat could have made a better decision. Me and you probably would say just run the ball in that situation, which is what I wanted, but it is two-minute, so I get being aggressive. Um, These are moments when I would like us to use Pat's athleticism and involve him in the run game like we did versus Tampa. Um, But those are situations where Pat has to recognize, hey, they're only bringing three. There's eight in coverage. Don't force it. Just throw it away. That was, what, second down, first down when he made that throw? So don't have to force that right there, Pat. Just throw it away. He knows that. Yeah, and no, I didn't want them to run the ball at all. And I wanted them to throw. I want it, the ball to be in Mahomes' hands. My thing was, even though it was a good – give Leslie Frazier and Matt Milano credit. It was a great play design. I, I like how Vaughn Miller purposely was supposed to flush out the pocket to get Mahomes to roll out and Milano to come up and force that decision. Like, it was a great play design by the Bills defensively. But 
Mahomes panicked. Like that's just the best way to he panicked instead of throwing it out of bounds or you know spiking to the ground or you know even even taking the sack. You know, which I know you don't really want to do in two minutes, but there were so many other things he could have done. But instead, he panicked because he saw something he hadn't seen very much of in that spike coming up right away, and he threw it on early down. Now, if it was fourth down, if even if it was third and long, like you know, okay, you know, you needed to make a play. Now you gotta get rid this of it. Yeah, exactly. First down, you know, throw like, it away, Pat, throw it away. Like you know, just you know, get. I'm, I'm sure Andy was on until like just throw it away. And that's just not something. The only other time I can think about that was the worst half that he played in the AFC Championship game last year. Now I'm sure there's probably another time or two where he wasn't able to come up clutch that, that way. But like off the top of my head, there's only one other time I've seen Patrick not even give his team a chance, you know, like they didn't even get to midfield kind of thing. Like they, it was, no, it was over before it began. And like, that was just, uh, I don't <laughs> baffling. Like I feel unfair. like that's an over, yeah, I feel like that's an over, you know, statement, but that's how I felt in the moment that it was just baffling to see him make that decision so early in the game winning potential game winning drive. And it could have overcome everything else that happened in this game. And it was just, I don't know, man, I, uh, it, I still can't believe he he made that decision. No, it was definitely an uncharacteristic play. You don't usually don't see fifteen make mistakes like that because like you, got, I could see when he flushed out the pocket, and I, once I really rec- once I tr- I recognize from the snap they're only bringing three, so that means they're going to be eight in coverage. So don't try to force it. If you don't see something in one, two, three seconds, and we love Pat to extend plays and make plays with his legs, but once you see there's nothing there, like you said, Chris, just get rid of the ball, live to the next play come back adjust like all right they're probably gonna make us run the ball or throw something short because they're only gonna rush three and they probably like those numbers because it's von miller who probably be mm-hmm. one in a one-on-one or even a double team because he's that special right so they, they they wanted him to do that he basically did what he fell into the trap so um he'll learn from it i'm sure he'll watch it on film this week it won't it won't feel good or look pretty but i'm sure right. he'll recognize that and get ready like you said we're gonna see these guys again probably in the, in the playoffs as well whether it be via divisional or AFC championship game, we will be playing the Buffalo Bills again. So I'm sure the guys will definitely use this game for motivation and definitely a lot of room for growth for sure. Right, right. Again, that was just – it was so frustrating to see. But No, I, no absolutely. I agree. I saw it. I was like, just throw it away, Pat. Just, I yeah, know you yeah. want to win. I, I feel you, but just throw it away. Right. And it doesn't help that – you know, we know Wiley's the weakest link on this line, but I would say he's an average, you know, middle of the pack between, you know, 20 to 14th best right tackle in the league. He had his worst game of the year. And part of that is because he went up against Von Miller for 90% of the snaps. Like, that is part of it. We don't want that. What a game to have that be produced that poorly to where it was like. I think I saw a stat where the Mahomes is the third, the third most pressured quarterback in the league. So this has been an issue for the tackles all season long. Orlando Brown stepped up a little bit. I think Orlando Brown on the flip side had made his second best game of the year. Yeah, he played really well. But Wiley struggled, and it showed you know time and time again where Mahomes was having to get the ball out quick. He was having to move. He was having to make like it was just. I feel bad for Wiley because he's already known as the guy that. You know the that people think it's the worst, but man, he showed why yesterday. That was rough. I mean, when you look at Andrew Wiley, I mean, we know what his job is to come in and be a serviceable right tackle. We know he's not a starter full time. We know he's not an All Pro guy like that of that any caliber. So to get mad at him for struggling against Vaughn Miller, I'm not upset because you can only have so much expectation for a guy like that. Now, could we game plan around it and help him out more? I would put that more on the coaching staff. But yeah, I I, I, feel, I exactly That's feel. It's like I'm not mad at Andrew Wilding for struggling against a Hall of Famer, a first ballot guy in Paul Miller. So he makes right. a lot of right tackles in the league look look stupid. So that's that's not a, not a bad thing. But outside of that, I mean, at times, like you said, silver lining, Orlando Brown played well. He adjusted from his mistakes he made Monday night. 
versus the Raiders. And he he had a couple of blocks when Von Miller rushed at him, and Von Miller didn't even touch Pat at all. Right, right. Well, for his moments, and they probably saw that adjustment. Hey, Orlando's playing well today. Let's throw you over to the right side and see what Wiley has. And they won that matchup. Now, I would wish they would have recognized that, hey, we're going to have to chip a lot to help Andrew out because Von is a, is a dog. He's coming now. So he already had that sack right before half, and then the one in the last drive before the second to last drive before the end of the game to, to seal the game up for them to give them the ball back. So I didn't like that. We didn't help him out a little bit more, but at the end of the day, you got to give credit where credit is due. Von Miller's a great player. And for most of the game, we kept him quiet, but they, the second, the last quarter, quarter and a half, he's, his impact started to be felt for a reason. Right. And also, like, what is the run game on the Kansas City Chiefs? Like, it's just. They choose when they want to do it. it right. It was. It's just, I don't. The, the best time for the Chiefs to run, apparently, is on second and nine. I don't know why that's when they decide to always run, but that's their favorite time to run is when Pat throws an incompletion on first down or they hardly get any gain. And they're like, the defense will never see us running on second and nine. And then you get these third and sevens. And that's why every game, every Chiefs game you show up, it's like the Chiefs are the best at third and seven plus. That's because the coaching staff always puts them in that situation. Like we're in third along a lot with a good quarterback and a good tight end. So naturally they're going to succeed at those, but like, why not make it easier? Why not make a you know the three the three yard drag route or you know a little curl route an option on third down instead of having to run deeper routes? It's just I don't understand this run game at all because you know this team starts with the pass and lives and dies by it for the most part. But when they use the run game effectively and actually stick to it on smart plays that aren't second and long. We've seen some success this year, so I just it, it blows my mind how these running backs who, again, we talk about all the time, aren't aren't great, but you put them in their respective roles and their respective situations, they can be better than this, you know, three point one yards per carry that they do on a day in and day out basis. No, absolutely, and I saw I saw that a lot today. People keep and we have these conversations every week. We can't let the running backs have a good week, people, and then they have a bad week, and now we're blaming on the running backs. Everyone, obviously, we want to see them improve, right? And we know this running back room is not great. It's not terrible. It's an average at best group. I think it's below average. I don't think it's the worst. I think it's below average. I'll I'll give them average. I've seen some really bad rooms. I know some teams that would love to have a running back right now. Well, that's (laughs) another topic. But um, for what it's worth, I'm with Chris. I think it's more of like the – Play calling when to yeah. run, when to run the ball and what type of run plays each running back can do. Mm-hmm. Chris is of the mindset he wants Jerry McKinnon to run all the ball. People, I'm of the mindset. I, like it. I want I want Pacheco to get more touches in the run. That's game. fair too. He's the most explosive guy. He's the strongest guy. I'm not saying I don't want Clyde to play. I want Clyde has a role in his team. He's earned that because he's played well this year. I know we didn't look good yesterday, but for all in all, at this point, the way Clyde has played these first six games, I would have took that. If you would have told me coming into the season, because I didn't expect him to play as well as he was this year. So I'm glad for what he's doing, but I just want to see more of Pacheco. I want to see more of Sky, but specifically to the run game, I just wanted to commit to it running inside between our guard center guard combo, which is arguably the best in the league. Lean on those guys, Chris. That's what I want to see. Let those guys be your hogs to run more gaps, run more powers. We had a counterplay that I showed Chris that I'll post it on Twitter later tonight. There were opportunities for this run, this offensive line to prove their dominance, and they showed it. But like Chris said, Andy has to stick to it and stick with it. So hopefully yeah. they'll learn from their mistakes and get ready for San Fran this week. Hey, so who's the best at pass protection out of the running backs, out of the three running backs? I think if you ask the coaches, they would probably tell you, Jerry, if you ask me, you I would. It, it's probably Jerry. Yeah, I'll probably say Jerry, too. Who's the best pass catcher? Like ability-wise or just like pure? Just like a, yeah, over, overall, you know, hands, screen game. All of it. Jerk. 
who is probably the best at reading the holes, reading the reading the line? Jarek, maybe Pacheco's coming, but yeah, 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 Jarek, yeah. All the answers are Jarek, and I understand he can't. He has injury issues, so he can't play, be. Play. He can't be your horse. He can't yeah. be the guy that I get that because the dude's always hurt. You know, he's like in his ninth year in his career, and he probably has four seasons worth of starts in his career because he can't stay on the field. So I get being safe with him. But if he's the best at every single thing you need your running back to do, he needs to have more opportunities. Those other guys have roles, and I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of Pacheco. And I'm not trying to turn this into bash Clyde time. But if the best, the guy who's playing the best right now and does the things overall the best is Jarek McKinnon, then he needs to have more carries. It's the thing we don't talk about a lot because the running back room is kind of you know second fiddle to Patrick and Travis in the passing game. But it is something that I think could you could just see increase production by changing who gets the reps. No, I completely agree. There has to be moments where you have to figure out what each running back does best, like Chris said, and put those guys in position to succeed. In my opinion, I think Clyde runs best in between the tackles. Jarek is kind of a guy that can go over the goal. He's our fastest back. I would love to see him. Anything that's going outside, as far as our outside zone stretch game, tosses power, anything that's going outside, I would love Isaiah to run those play i think pacheco is our fastest back at the moment right now so there's just moments when you have to put guys in their strengths and not put them in their weaknesses and i think that's what chris is trying to say and i and i completely essentially there's moments i don't want to see Clyde getting on the edge because he's not our fastest back so why am i putting him in those positions now there's obviously rays when you're going tempo you want to go fast you don't want to allow the defense to get in and switch their personnel you have them on heels if it's like that situation you got to roll who's ever in there at that point you got to live and die with the guy that's in there but when Mm -hmm. we're huddling up we're changing personnel chris and we're figuring out plays that work like the, like the counter play I was saying, Chris, on the clip, Clyde looked good on that play, and it's an inside play. He hits it hard. He gets in the hole, and he got 9 or 10 yards on that pop. And then whenever we want our outside stuff, Pacheco's clearly the most explosive back. And mm-hmm. then Jerry's great in pass pro, and he catches the ball well. Even Pacheco got involved in the screen game late yesterday. That was good to see. So um, there's a lot of film and a lot of room to execute and things to get better at. And I'm sure Andy and Bianami will see that this week. But definitely um, – and, and, we, and, we, and it's the frustrating part about this. I know it's repeating ourselves. We know the strength of our O-line is our guard-to-guard. Our guard-center guards, like I said, is maybe the best in the league. So mm-hmm. lean on those guys and run the football in between the tackles because that's where your hogs are. Don't make right. your tackles have to reach block and make have reach blocks in different zone schemes where they have to struggle at times. So. Right, and it's no secret. you get Once you get into those outside schemes, too, you get your tight ends involved, and it's no secret that while while Trav's blocking is you know a little undervalued, it's still not great. It's not like Noah Gray is the best blocker. It's not like Jody Forson. So maybe when Blake Bell comes back, Blake Bell is pretty good outside run blocker, but yeah. you know, definitely running in between the tackles and using those guards is a great point, CJ. Something they need to get back to. Something that good that did happen was uh, Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster had a good game yesterday. And had an explosive 40-yard play over. He had 100, 113 yards off five catches in a, in a tutty. Thoughts about this man finally. You know, he's had some decent games, but this is the first time we really were like, man, Juju is a difference maker. That looked like USC Juju right there. Catch the ball in the intermediate <laughs> throw. No, like that was his strength coming out of USC. You know, catch the ball, run after catch, and break tackles. So. He did that well in Pittsburgh, and it showed yesterday. So I would love to see more of that. And he did the same exact thing. People remember in the Colts game, he broke a tackle and yeah. ran for like 50, 60 yards after catch as well. So that's his strength. He's um He has great hands. He's great after the catch. He's a physical receiver. So I would love to see more of that. 
continue to see him do well for the rest of the season. But, yeah, it was definitely good to see number nine get in the end zone. I know his family and Chiefs Kingdom as well have been waiting on that for a long time. So, shout out to Juju. Great game. Yeah, yeah. It was it was fun to watch him. I was really excited for him as well because we've been waiting for it. He's still on pace, I think, to have over just right around the 1,000-yard mark and be, you know, when you have Travis Kelsey who had another 100 yards yesterday doing what he – does it's okay it's okay to you know be high be hovering around that 900 to a thousand mark for your receiver because you don't need him to be a one the only other thing i want to talk about in the game um a little bit before we get into the 49ers game coming up is why were the refs so soft for both teams yesterday like i felt like don't get it like let them play like this is a right the whole nation's while everyone gets this you know it was the only game on every everyone got it unless you were watching seattle and uh arizona but that was on fox if you're watching cbs you're watching chiefs bills and it was like there were some holding calls on the bills that were bogus there was you know legal linemen downfield and some taunting on juju that was bogus like this is a big this is as big as a game as you can have in week six and the refs were just calling every little thing on both teams of just drive except for act offensive holding both teams got away with offensive holding all night but other other than that everything else was called and it just drove me insane no there were so many plays where i i get there's like certain plays like holding i'm not mad about those whether they're called or not called because Anybody who's played football, any fan knows you can call holding on almost every play. That's literally right. what football is. You're trying to protect your quarterback from getting sacked from defenders. So that's fine. But the plays where you're literally putting your thumbprint on the game as a referee and you clearly don't need to are unsportsmanlike conduct. Those are the dumbest calls ever. Unless you actually <laughs> put your hands on someone, I do not care that you do <laughs> rub his face and said first down. When guys literally do the first down signal for a living, in the NFL, literally but he put it by knows. his nose, so it's a flag. It's fifteen so I, yards. What if, what if he had allergies and I was just wiping my nose? So I'm like, okay, and then don't get me started on that first drive. Big biggest play of the game, in my opinion. We get the turnover, and I was saying all week, if we can get Josh out of the turnover once or twice, that'll be the play that can give us the edge to win the game. Yeah, get a fumble off a pitch. Darius Harris does a great job of recovering it. We move the ball down eighty yards. We get all the way into the ten yard line. We get down there. MBS runs a great seam route. That exact same play, Chris. That's yep. the one he dropped in the Tampa Bay game. And mm-hmm. what does he do this week? He catches it, recommends his mistakes. And what do they call? Illegal man downfield. Literally, yeah. Creed Humphrey was one yard past the line of scrimmage, which is the window of where you're supposed to be on RPOs. The ball was out. Creed's at the one yard line. I watched the clip, Chris. I posted it. It's literally a yard. And they called yeah. it downfield. Took away seven points, and then that led to the – Pat interception throwing into MVS, which still is an excuse. I'm not excusing Pat. He has to be better. I would rather him right. throw that ball away as well. But Something in that moment, what Chris about. said, you cannot make that call. That's a game-changing play, and it had no outcome on the on the football game on right. what, what Creed Humphrey was doing. There was no defender there, and what like none at all. Even if you're being, even if you're a Bills fan and you're watching that replay, replay the most you're going to say he's downfield is two yards, and it's like. That's there's no defender. Like, is that like, like, are you really going to call that? Like, would you want that called if if you were a Bills fan and exactly. it was Mitch Morse? Exactly. No, like, you let that it, go. <laughs> like, uh, and again, it it was both ways. I'm not. I'm, I'm yeah, not. There were both calls, but the, I don't want to sit here and be like, a. You know, I'm cr- the Chiefs lost because of the rest. I don't want to be that guy. No, 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 there no, were definitely won. some. They won. They won. Credit to them. There was definitely. I'm not saying you were CJ. I was just saying, like, I was just. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I there was definitely some questionable calls out there that I wish they would just let go and let I would let Absolutely. the guys play, you know, unless it's outrageous. 
you know, like the, the offensive pass interference on Travis. Like, he's <laughs> like, <laughs> if you watch the clip, Kyrie's holding his arm. You're right, you're right. right. It's just, how are you going to call me for offensive pass interference when he's holding me? So what, guys, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> guys playing football, man. It's going to happen. Like, just let them uh, play, man. Like, good Lord. <laughs> so, but, you know. Virtual calls, man. Two weeks in a row. We always have something going on. Right, right. Three, and then you include the Colts game, you know, yeah, three really the cold. last yeah, four that's, weeks. That's like, Jesus Lord, it's always something. Oh, here. man. So, and they did like, they did make up for it on Chris Jones. He got that tripping sack. He, they gave him a sack back when he tripped. You see, he put his hands on like, I didn't touch him. Yeah, I was, no roughing the pass this week, guys. Uh, <laughs> but he did trip him, which is illegal, but they let him get out of the way. So it worked full circle for Chris. So good for him. But, uh, it was definitely I, – I, it was a fun game. It was a frustrating game, but it was still a fun game. Yeah, and it's something that uh, – atmosphere was great. Fans were great. I had a great I'm hoping I we, always had fun in Arrowhead. So, yeah, good game. I'm hoping we get to see it, you know, in, in January. Hopefully – if it, it would be better if it was a championship game again, but we'll see how – instead of the divisional like it was. But I hope to see the Bills again. But speaking of teams we play in the playoffs, here are this week. The Chiefs are going to San Francisco to play the 49ers. And uh, I don't know if, you, if you've if you seen, though, uh, CJ, but Trent Williams and Nick Bosa are trending to come back for this game. For Isn't the that like on theme for us this year? <laughs> nice get hurt. The Chiefs week comes up. Oh, now they're trending. Now they're uh, trending. They're anybody uh, else. They don't need to play. Everyone wants to play the Chiefs. We're just everyone Super Bowl, man. So hey, you know it's 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 a game that if you're you win, know you know you're I put on the map. Any other way, I want to play the best every week. Exactly, Let's exactly. go. Exactly. So Let's like, go. what are your expectations from this Niners game? Because they're clearly a talented team. You know, I know they lost last week to the Falcons by 14. Part of that's injuries. Part of that is like those games are just going to happen when you have the quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo playing a lesser opponent in the Falcons. That is not going to be the 49ers team you get against the Chiefs. Because like you said, everyone's trying to come back. Everyone's going to be laser focused. Just because they lost by 14 to the Falcons does not mean that this is going to be an easy game. I think this is going to be a tough game and a game that if the Chiefs slip at all, they very easily could find themselves on the wrong side of the scoreboard. No, absolutely. You definitely got to take care of your business and take treat every opponent like it's the best team you see in the league. So and like you just said, Chris, they're going to. And it's kind of like a form of reality. Other teams do it. Like the greatest threat to success is being comfortable. So when you get in that mode of like, all right, we're playing the Falcons, the Niners aren't motivated. Then they're going to come out with the Chiefs and play some of the best football they've seen all year because they're playing the Chiefs. You kind of play up or down to your competition. I know people don't like to hear that, but it's reality. Like mm-hmm. guys are human. They kind of get up for big games. They get down for other games. So they're going to be up for this one because they have the Chiefs coming into town. So we haven't played them since the Super Bowl. So, you know, they want to get back for that as well. So. And it's ironic that Charvarius Ward is on this roster who was on our team when we won the Super Bowl. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to try to come back this week. Nick Bosa, Trent Williams. I know they lost a corner uh, mostly for the year, uh, mostly for the year for what uh, ACL injury, I believe. So they've, they've lost some guys, but definitely can never overlook your opponent. They run the ball extremely well. They're one of the best rushing teams in the league. Kyle Shanahan's a great play caller. Debo Samuel is amazing after the catch. So we're going to need Willie Gay back this week to get him on the ground because he's a guy that can catch a 10-yard pass and make it like a 50, 60-yard pass with his run-after-catch ability. So um, it's, it's, it's going to be a good group to stop, and Trent Williams is obviously the best in the business. So he's a, he's a great tackle. He can run block pass where he does everything well. So we're going to have to have our, our work cut out for us. But I think we'll have an opportunity to go out there and um, definitely respond to what we did this week. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a game where, you know, if the defense – the defense doesn't have to be perfect because Jimmy G is limited, but he's a winner still. You know, Jimmy yep. G can make some plays, and I think that that he's 
a lot like Alex Smith, you know, to where does he, enough. Can, does he enough. does enough, you know, and he yeah. has enough playmakers around him to where if the if the Chiefs can get back to stopping the run like they were against, the, you know, even though they lost against the Colts, they did a great job. Against yeah, they Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. Yep, they you know, they did they did a good job early on in the season. You know, Kyler didn't get out and run and scramble a lot. And so there are things that they have shown that we haven't seen the last two weeks. If they can get back to stopping the run first and make Jimmy G beat you, I think this is a game that we see the Chiefs win pretty handily. If you let the 49ers get into their stuff because they're a run first team and it starts to open up the play action, then it starts letting Brandon Ayuk and uh, Debo get open and George Kittle like, then it's a dogfight. Then it turns into like a 28-24 kind of game to where, you know, it, it gets a little dicey. But I think if you can take away the run first with the with the Niners, the Chiefs should be able to do enough on offense. It gets a pretty good defense that may get their best player back in Nick Bosa. Soffitt will still be able to score enough points. No, absolutely. That's a group where you're coming into the game saying, first and foremost, how do we stop this run game as far as from a defensive standpoint? Because they run the ball extremely well, and that allows Jimmy G, like Chris said, to make those easy throws over the middle. And most of his completions, I think like maybe like 60 or 50%, I think the exact number, don't quote me on that, most of his completions are over the middle of the field. They run the ball extremely well. He throws the ball into that 10 to 15-yard window, and he throws those those digs, those crossers, those over routes, those dingo routes when he's throwing it to guys like George Kittle. And obviously they have Brandon Ayuk, who just came off a two-touchdown game. Debo Samuel's one of the best in the league. When they get that run game going, that's when they start getting those play actions, and it's hard to get these guys on the ground. So from an offensive standpoint, like you said, we have to block Nick Bosa. Outside of Micah Parsons, I don't think there's anybody playing better football than him right now. Right. He's definitely a guy that's up for defensive player of the year, one of the best pass rushers, if not the best pass rusher in football. He can get to your quarterback in a hurry, and they're going to see that film and try to go at Wiley. So we're going to have to give him some help. So, But uh, definitely a defense that can be had at times. They're definitely good up front, and on the back end, they can be had in certain areas. They're losing guys in that area. We're getting guys back, so I think that's an advantage towards us. So I think we can go out there. Like you said, if we establish our dominance and we run the football and give our offense some help and give our receivers and tight ends areas where they don't have to make plays all the time. I think that'll make Pat's job easier and Andy's job as a play caller easier to take some of the pressure off you as well. So um, like you said, Chris, show balance, get back to doing what you do and play winning football, kind of get back to that game script that we have versus Tampa Bay. And I think we'll be fine. So I want to see more balance this week. For sure. For sure. Now time to get to the predictions part. Chiefs are three point favorites. um, Because again, it is a, it is a good 49ers team on the road. So I think three is a good line. Over under is 48 and a half, which is as low as we've seen in a Chiefs game in a while. What, where are you going? What are your thoughts? I'm going to go on the road. No weather or anything, so hopefully don't quote me on this. So if anything changes, let me know. But as of now, I'm going to go Chiefs 30, Niners 20. Okay. Okay. So you're going the over and the cover. Remember when I bullied, I didn't even mean to, but I bullied you last week about your score. You actually, you said 24, 23 first, which was, and obviously you had the chiefs winning, but you were really dang close. close. (laughs) And you, for some reason, switched it. You for some reason switched it, so that, man. Because I, I I was thinking about the quarterbacks and the defenses, and it really could have been that we really should have scored more. But <laughs> right, you were a missed Butker field goal away from getting it right, just the wrong teams. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, so, uh, so I'm going with my. I'm saying 27 17 Chiefs taking the under, but the Chiefs to cover. Again, this is a game that can get away from the Chiefs if they let it. But I think after a loss to the Bills, where they didn't click as well as they wanted to. I think we're going to see an, another level of focus like we did in that, that Bucks game. I'm not trying to say the Chiefs weren't focused for the Bills because obviously they were. This was a game that has been circled on most of their calendars. But 
I think you just, like you said, they're human. It's that extra level coming off a tough loss like that. Exactly, exactly. And I think we'll see this, especially heading into a bye, you know, even if scrapes and bruises and everything, you know, you don't care because, you know, you have that extra week. So I think we're going to see a better performance from the team. I think they're going to handle the 49ers relatively easily. Could get a little dicey again, but 27-17 is where I'm going. No, that sounds like a good good prop. If there's anything, I would definitely take – I know Jimmy G is known for throwing a ball in some dicey areas, so I wouldn't mind seeing us get a um an interception. Justin Reed pick. Justin yeah, like, Reed yeah. get a pick. Justin Reed, yeah. Like he he likes to, you know, Jimmy G likes to take some chances. So yeah. I would like to see him or Juan get their hands on a pick this week. So that would that would be something I would keep an eye out for. So. Yeah, definitely. Definitely watch out for the safeties because that is where he seems to make his bit most errors. Times, yeah. I mean, we know about that in the Super Bowl. That's how the game ended. I, mean, was, I wouldn't try to uh, remind people of any bad memories, but if you want to say it, Chris, go ahead. No, I was I was talking about Jimmy G throwing a pick in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, that's what I was saying. I was, I, was trying, yeah. I was trying to be mindful. I wasn't trying to <laughs> Kendall Fuller coming over the top from the safety <laughs> position, picking him off to win to end the game. So Kendall Fuller, a guy that I feel like we forget about, but I love that dude. But no, no, I, I remember it was only he was only here for a short time, but yeah. Kendall Fuller was amazing for that. Yeah, and that Alex Smith so trade, but he was so good there. But all right, hey, last thing as always, CJ, where can the good people find you? They can find me on Twitter. Always, I'm open to talk anytime, any day uh, at CGZ81. That's C-J-E-E-Z-Y-81. Definitely open to talk about football, bets, gambling, fantasy, breakdown, anything. I'm open. For sure. And you can find me on Twitter at 10penny88. Still, like I said, a little bit in baseball mode. I, For those of you who don't know me well, I'm Royals first, but I'm a Bryce Harper fan. So these Phillies got me. It got me uh, feeling some type of way right now for a little longer. So, but we'll get the full football here before too long. But all right, guys, as always, we uh, we appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next time. Cheers.